Hello and welcome to another edition of the North Lot Podcast. I am Hot Time and Old Time Chicago Fire Editor Ruben Tish, and joining me, as always, is Hot Time Editor-in-Chief Bridget Gordon and her cats. Bridget, how are you and how are your cats? I'm doing okay. So, point of clarification, they're not my cats. They are my girlfriend's cats. Okay. Uh, they are pensive, but otherwise doing okay. Uh, they too don't they- wish to hear about the Chicago Fire. Uh, they most certainly do not, but they also don't want to hear about basically anything that's not tree. Well, you said the magic word, not me. So. I, uh, well, okay, so I, well, I'm in another room, so they can't hear me talk about the thing they love more than anything else. Fair. But also, I haven't been established as someone they can bar, bar like, harass for food. Uh. Um, we're trying to keep that intentional because once once I do feed them once, then it's basically all over for me. Sure. Because then they know, and mm. I will never get a moment's peace. No, definitely not. Anytime I'm here. So uh, we're trying to delay that day as long as possible. Well, I hope you succeed in delaying it for as long as possible. Um as someone who used to be a pet owner and is not a pet owner and who was like the stubborn food person like no dog you are not getting food off my plate you have a dish of food over there stop it and my grandma would just give the dog food whenever she wanted to and it was like no it's whatever it's fine it's fine. Sure. You know what else is fine? I think the fire are fine. Uh, nice segue. Again. Yeah. It, yeah. It's that's my thing. Um, they drew one to one to New York on the weekend, which is an improvement over the last time they played New York uh, and lost one to, to nothing. Uh, they did get a goal. Um, there's actually a lot to talk about here. First and foremost, uh, we should come out and say we were wrong. Uh, Velko Panovic did, in fact, bench Nemanja Nikolic. Yeah, I was wrong. I will own that. Yeah, me too. I, I didn't think it would happen. Definitely happened. I don't know how okay with it I am because I get it. And we sort of asked for this, but now that we've asked for this, it, it's more depressing than usual watching the fire without Nemanja Nikolic out there, even if he does get you upset and angry, you know? Because at least yeah. it's like, he'll do it, right? Like, you, you have that belief, and even if he doesn't believe in himself, we as a, a, as a fan base still believe in him. I sure do. So it's sort of sad that it's had to come to this, but it had to come to this. And uh, that's kind of where we are now. Yeah. Um, It sucks. But let's talk about uh, the goal. Um, It was a good goal. Uh, Mm -hmm. It needed VAR to stand, unfortunately. Um, Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say unfortunately. I think well, this is yeah. exactly what VAR was, was made for. Sure. Um, and we'll talk about the refereeing later because I had a huge problem with it. Mm-hmm. The VAR rule... I'm not a big fan of the the video assistant referee as it stands. 
One of the things I do like, though, is not causing calling offsides on a goal-scoring opportunity until the goal is scored. Um, yeah. Because then you can go back and review it. It's, it's pretty clear-cut that if you do that and the flag's up, you're going to go back and review it. Um, and the ball needs to be in the back of the net for there to be a goal on review. So that's one of the things about the about Varys that stands that I like that they do is that. Mm-hmm. The the other thing on the the other var on the free kick, uh, I thought was absolutely unexcusable that you needed var to know that that wasn't a penalty. It 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 was at least the the initial point of contact was at least two or three feet outside of the box. And then you point to the spot. I I don't... That's just poor refereeing, isn't it? And VAR... And that's the thing I don't like about VAR is that it's designed to fix poor refereeing as opposed to what I think it should be used for is to go one way or another on close decisions. I mean, sure, it's great that it's there that you threw that you screw up, but you shouldn't. You don't want it to. You don't want to have VAR as a tool to enable mediocrity. Correct. Um, I don't agree, but I see where you're coming from. I mean, like I, by which I mean, like I'm that I don't mean that in a patronizing way. I mean, like that's a perfectly valid position to have, and I, uh, I feel like you're position is more defensible than mine. I don't really have a good reason for feeling the way I do. Um, you at least thought this out. Um, so, like, you know, uh, so, you know, take what I'm saying with a grain of salt, basically. And that I think that your your take on VAR vis-a-vis the quality of refereeing is perfectly, you know, perfectly valid. Sure. Because I want good refereeing and I want VAR to be there when the when calls are too close to call. Sure. If it's borderline, I want you to take a look at it and get the correct decision. If it's glaringly obvious, it's nice to have that safety net, sure. But there should be repercussions on the referee for needing to go to VAR on an obvious call. Like we saw in the NYCFC game. Yeah, and I mean, this is an ongoing issue with referees, is that there's no accountability, and it doesn't matter how bad of a job it is, no one's getting fired, with with some exceptions. Like, there was that one, oh, I forgot his name, that one MLS referee who got, like... Blasted benched. in the YouTube video or whatever? Yeah, 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 something like that. Sometime last month, I don't know. This this whole spring has been kind of a blur. <laughs> yeah. I've been going through some shit. That's right. Yeah, I know. That's why I asked how your cats were doing at the beginning of the program is because I knew you. All right, exactly. Um, so back to the fire goal for one specific reason is that we sort of talked about this before we went on the air is that Brent Bronico to me is a very polarizing player. Mm-hmm. And that's probably only because I'm the only person in the fire commentariat who doesn't like him. I don't see it with Brant Bronico. I think he had a good first year 
because of the players he was surrounded by and the team, you know, was firing on all cylinders and playing well. Uh, I think last year and this year he's been exposed. And despite the fact that he had a relatively decent game uh, against New York City, I'm not going to take that away from him. Um, but I think his performances like that are few and far between. I, I just, I think, yes, he got an assist, but at the same time, I don't think that I, there are players on the pitch on, on the fire roster that I would see rather than him. One sure. of, one of which is Mo Adams. Um, I don't disagree with you there. Um, I love Mo Adams, and I want to see more of him on the pitch. I don't necessarily agree that benching Bronico to do it is the way to go, but, I mean, you know me. I've been harping on this for a while. My ideal midfield of the future is Mahalovic, Bronico, and Adams. Um, and I think, I think those three together will end up being, like, the core of the midfield. Or could be the core of the midfield for for the next several years. Once once you know Dax moves on, once Basti retires, once et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. My understanding of of your thing with Bronico is that he doesn't do enough defensively. Is that fair? I wouldn't say he doesn't do enough defensively. I'd say that I don't think he's a very intelligent defender. I don't think that he, he he's very prone to making stupid plays and stupid tackles and dumb challenges to where you unlike a guy like Logan Paz who was very like elegant at the position and could you know knew when to hold possession and when to make a challenge and you know when when where to position himself i don't think bronico can do that and i think once dax mccarty leaves or hangs him up um i i don't think he's good enough to to come in and play that position. Sure. Uh, I think I also don't think he's a pretty he's a creative player, which which is, you know, when you're not uh, going back to 2 weeks ago in I believe it was San Jose when Mahalovic didn't even play or didn't start and you had Bronico in there. I like what is he doing for you? I don't. I don't know what he does for you, offensively or defensively. So first things first. I think it's just as well that RJ isn't back yet on the podcast because you and him would have some words right now. He wrote that huge thing for us last year yeah. about how about Bronico being a key creative player for the Fire. So I, I I think you two would be having a meme off right now. Probably. I'm older than him, so I'd be pulling out some. You probably have to really dig shit. Yeah. So, but you, so you now you are the designated Bronico defender. I am the designated Bronico defender. That's that. That is a cross I will bear. So I I agree with some of your points from earlier. I I don't think he's a very good six. 
And I think a lot of the problems that come up with his performance are when he's tasked with playing as a defensive midfielder. I think he's a better eight. I think he's a he's a better box to box guy, sort of a jack of all trades. If you don't, if you're not counting on him to do one specific thing, then you know, and you have other players who can do that sort of thing, and you just kind of let him. Uh, how do I put this? Kind of like fill, plug in the holes in okay. your team, yeah. like you know, someone who can help out defensively if they need it, but aren't really tasked with that as a primary responsibility. Someone who can hit good passes in the final third, but that's not their main job. They can just kind of do little bits of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's where Bronico really comes together. I think he's a, I think he's more of an eight than anything else. He's not a ten. He's not a six. Sure. The, um, the problem is they're asking him to be because Dax McCarthy <laughs> McCarty is also like a box to box eight, and he can't have two of them on the pitch at the same time. Well, that's the thing. I don't think I don't think Dax is. I think Dax would be a better six at this point than an eight. I think he's slowing down enough that he would be better okay. as the DM. So I, I can see like a like a you know two person central midfield with Dax as the six and sure. Bronico as the eight. And then Bronico also benefits from Dax's experience. Sure. But at the same time though, it's clear that they're not playing it like that. I know that. I'm talking about, like, if I were running the team. Although, if I were running the team, I don't know. <laughs> well, uh, if I was... Other pictures. But, like, yeah, yeah if, I'm playing, if I'm playing the, the, the 2019 Fire uh, in Football Manager, this is what I would do. That's fair. I, I'm not... I'm done trying to figure out Pano's rationale for doing anything. I'm, I, that's why I changed, you know, prof, the, the, that part of the game preview from predicted lineup to suggested lineup because trying to predict what Pano's going to do at any given game is an exercise in futility. Sure. So I, I was just like, Pano's going to Pano. I'm not going to worry about it. This is just who I would pick if I were making those decisions. Sure. And I, I actually brought this up on the filibuster podcast, uh, which I believe came out uh, today at the time of this recording, so tomorrow. Uh, I mean yesterday? Or yesterday. Yesterday yes. by the time you all listen to this. Right. Uh, about Pano, and I, I've sort of come to the conclusion that despite being four years into it, he's still managing like a international tournament manager as opposed to a league manager where you have, because it's essentially after a certain point, win or go home every single game, uh, you have to manage for your opponent and not manage for consistency, right? Like every game he's trying to spike it. Every, he's trying to spike a tournament every match as opposed to playing for consistency throughout the length of a long season. And I think that's why you see so much tinkering is because he's still, even after all this time, managing like he's managing in a tournament as opposed to managing in a league. Yeah, he never left the under-20 World Cup. No, definitely not. Except his players are all older. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, but that's also why the Fire have been so good in the Open Cup when he's uh, during his tenure because that's how he met his managing style is perfect for single elimination tournaments and that's that's sort of what i think about velko panovich at this point whether or not it's clear to me that he is a better international manager than a club manager and that's fine if that's what you're if you're an international federation looking for a manager i think you can do a lot worse than velko panovich he's going to be the manager of serbia one day and he's going to do really well i agree absolutely agree but you know here in a league format now it's my turn uh in a league format where um it's hard to you know you have to go for consistency over you know game by game performance I, I don't know if this sort of management is is right for him and the right for his style. Yeah, because he's not a bad manager. No. He's just not a good fit. Yeah, I, I think also Nelson Rodriguez is a bigger problem than... I mean, we said he's a bigger problem than a lot of people are giving him, him credit for. Uh, negative credit, I guess. Duration. Well, that's right called word? blame. Blame. Yeah, I don't think he gets a lot. Nelson Rodriguez does get a lot of blame, uh, but I don't think he gets enough blame. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess. Like, I mean, I don't know. It's complicated. Like, uh, I don't know. I hate talking on the front office. Honestly, yeah. I mean, I know we have to. I know so many, so many of our problems go back to the front office and. I mean, we're never getting our press credentials back, so fuck it. Um, <laughs> I don't want to talk about... Like, if we want to talk about that on this podcast, we can. I'm just not sure it's the best place to do it. Yeah, uh, we'll say that for the end of the season. We'll get drunk and really let loose. <laughs> All right. Um, so, a bit of news dropped today. A bit of news, you say? A bit of news dropped <laughs> today. Uh, Sam Sejgal, uh the first uh, Fire Confidential uh, leader. And currently, f- I, I don't know if he's still with MLS Soccer. No, no he's he left. With, he's, he's with the, the athletic, athletic now. Just like everybody except us. Um, yeah. He Yo, George Qureshi, call me up. He he put out a tweet uh saying that the essentially su- the Superliga, my personal favorite soccer competition. Your personal favorite soccer competition. Is, More than the Carolina Challenge Cup? I dude, I love the Superliga. You don't even I know. know. Do. Oh, I do. You've ta- we've talked about the Superliga at length. It, I am of all of the missed opportunities of the Quetema Blanco era team, uh, uh, fire team. The one trophy I'm sad that they missed out on more than MLS Cup, more than the Supporter Shield, was is that. the 2008 Superliga Championship. Yeah, 
because they lost. Rough. Well, I mean, first of all, they lost to the Rams. Well, well tell our listeners that that, they, in the that final. opportunity may come again because. Well, because uh, the Fire are in this tournament, the League's Cup, the which League's is Cup. for um, Liga MX teams, for MLS teams. Uh, it's a single elimination eight play, eight team tournament. All matches will be played in the U.S. Uh, the final might be in Vegas. We don't know. Ooh. And the quarterfinals will be held the week of July twenty first. Well then. And here are the potential matchups. We've got RSL and Tigres. Uh. A local derby in L.A. and Jolos, which is going to be fun. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say which L.A. It just says L.A. I don't know if that's the Galaxy or LAFC. FC, yeah. So, I would, I would, I, I kind of hope it's LAFC, but like I do too. That would be that would be a much more entertaining. game Although Zlatan playing in the super, the new rebranded Super League would be pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it would be. There, there's not a tournament like it anywhere else in the world. Uh, Houston versus uh, Club America. Mm -hmm. And the Chicago Fire will be playing and getting dumpstered by Cruz Azul. (laughs) Uh, So (laughs) we have that to look forward to towards the end of July. The Chicago Fire playing Cruz Azul. And getting absolutely yeeted. And getting destroyed four goals to nothing. Uh, it's gonna be bad. Oh, I am so. I. I it's I'm gonna going cry, to be bad. and then I'm gonna drink, and then we're gonna cry some more. It's gonna be so bad. But like the level of quality of these teams, like the quality disparagement between the teams we're getting from Mexico and the teams MLS are offering. Like I know, like Houston's good, and LAFC. If it is LAFC, are the best team. In the league, probably. Right but, now, certainly. But the fire in RSL? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, we're, that's, like, that's rough. How is Toronto not invited to this? Or how are the Red Bulls not Or the Red Bulls, or DC United, who are currently, or Philadelphia, who are currently the top two teams in the Eastern Conference. It's like. Or Seattle, or. Right. It's whatever. like, is, is the fire really that big a draw? on Latin American TV still? Like, I got it. And so they got Blanco, and they were huge, and, like, Univision had them on once a month or something. Yeah. Still, 10 years later, we got a back-to-back on Univision. Like, is the name value in non-local Latino markets for the Chicago Fire still big enough? To where they're a ratings bump? Like, I, I don't know. I don't know either. I mean, we'll get a ratings bump no matter what because there are more Cruz Azul fans than there are Fire fans. Well, I, well, yes, but I'm talking like how are the Fire on Univision so much still? I don't know. I don't know for sure that it is because of the Fire and not because it's Cruz Azul. No, but I mean like... A, like oh, they could have picked another team. I got you. Right. Yeah. But I mean like not just this tournament, but like the back-to-back against the earthquakes and NYCFC on Univision. Like, I don't know if the fire is still that big of a draw for in, in 
in Latin American uh, countries or Latin American populations in the country. Like, I I still don't like how have they been this bad for a decade and are still popular enough to get games on Spanish language national television. I don't know, man. We should ask someone who knows. Like, yes, we'll call Sean Dennison in the morning. I, I I was thinking someone who is in the Hispanic community, the Latin American oh. community, that we could go that to. That too. Yeah. I'll DM Guillermo or something. Or Sandra. Or Sa- Sandra. Actually, you know what? Yes. We will ask Sandra and see. Actually, actually, you know what? We should do that. That seems like a good idea. That's why you're the boss, because you have these good ideas. I'm the boss because no one else wanted it. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, yeah, since you brought it up, we'll mention it. There was like a there was a Reddit thing a while ago. Oh, God. Do we have to talk about this? Well, I just want to make it clear that when this whole thing was happening... I didn't let you become EIC. That's not how it works. First of all, I wasn't asked to be EIC, and I'm happy about that. I, I want that on the record. Is I do not want to run this circus. Um, <laughs> second of all, um, I actually think you do a very good job. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. I'm not seeking praise or anything i just want to keep the thing going right for what it's worth i think he'd make a very good editor-in-chief as well Thank i mean if you don't you. want it that's fine but I'll, like just so we're clear i think he'd i think you'd do a bang-up job thank you if i had you to do... quit or something whatever. or or something really bad happens yeah yeah you'll tell me and then i'll <laughs> and then i'll ask sandra if she wants to do it and if she doesn't then i'll do it because uh, that's how that's going to go so, yeah Bridget's out of commission. Do you want to be editor-in-chief? Sandra! Do you? No? All right, fine. fine. We should probably not include this section in the, in the final cut. Definitely not. Okay. Um, so, DC United. DC United. Uh, I went on the Filibuster podcast and got some interesting bits of uh analysis and that they ask me how would dc beat the fire and then i said play down the fire's left hand side uh if jorge corrales is there you're going to win the game if you do that and they said well good thing our starting right winger is suspended so we got that going for us which is nice it is nice but they still have rooney right yeah, but like I trust um like if I'm Velkopanovic, I'm starting Mo Adams to control Wayne Rooney. Um yeah. because he, he he can do that. He's done that a lot. He does a very good job of it, and I think that like that's He's what... not intimidated by the superstars. No, he's definitely not, and I think that that is his best quality. Like I'm sure he fanboys out like in his private time, but once it's on the pitch, he's yeah. like, "What? What? What? Do something. 
What? I'm going to stand here. You're going to run into me. I'm going to take the ball, and then we're going to counterattack. That's what's going to happen. Deal with it. And, you know, you start Will Adams on Rooney, and the Rooney problem is taken care of. Um, I also think that Rooney isn't quick like he used to be, and I think Bastian Schweinsteiger will have less trouble with Wayne Rooney than he would have with someone like, say, Jazzy Zardes. Yeah. Um, I, th- I actually do think this is a winnable game. Um... The caveat here is that the Fire are going to have to score goals. They're going to have to score more than one. Um, I think it'll take three goals to comfortably win this game. Um, two, Quite possibly. Yeah, two would be a start. Um, it's just that I've got no faith in whoever the Fire throw out at left back. Like I like Raheem Edwards, and I thought he played okay, but... Um, it's, it's continuing to be an issue. It's, it, it is the big issue, and it's the biggest issue. And it was probably the most obvious issue coming into the season, and it's disappointing that it is still an issue, I think. Yeah. I mean, I think we do okay when we do a 3-5-2, and our, wing, our fullbacks are actually just wingbacks. But it's not perfect. No. And who knows, really? What's going on? What, like, like we said earlier, who knows what's going on in, in Pumas? is to say? Yeah. Uh, do you have an official prediction? Uh, I hate to do this. Uh, 1 0 DC. Uh, and I will go ahead and say the score I'm probably have said the most and will continue to say the most. I think. It is going to be uh, tied at two apiece at the final whistle. Um, All right, that's fair. Yeah, that's. I should say that I, I think you make good points for why this is a winnable game for the Fire. My skepticism is more because it, it, it has to do with the piece that we ran yesterday. For those of you listening, by by the time you all listen to this uh, today. For, for you and me right now recording this. Uh, but we ran a piece by Mick Maley um, about the Fire's record on the road this season and just how abysmal it's been. And they've only, of all their, of all their road games so far, they've only gotten two points. Both of them were draws, and the rest were pretty solid losses. Sure. And so that, I mean, the fact that we're playing in D.C. makes me feel like this is going to be... A problem sure. for the fire, like the you know, and you can read it for yourself. But one, the thing that they had the fire had to do to get a point is not particularly pretty football, and also, I mean, it's kind of a crapshoot whether or not Pano goes that route, which is basically just bunkering down, sure, and throwing throwing everyone behind the ball. Yeah, that's how they got the point in Toronto. Yeah, so I don't know if they're going to do that against DC. Sure. If they do, I think they can probably get a draw. But I don't think, but I don't think they can win. Um, I mean, I think they can on paper, but given their road record so far in 2019, it just doesn't bode well. Yeah, basically. Um, one thing before I forget, because I did almost forget to ask you uh, about 
even though we did the predictions, and that usually means the store, the uh, the podcast is over. Not today, because uh, I have to ask you about Kenneth Cronholm real quick. How do you think he did? I thought he was pretty good, actually. Yeah, I think he's fine. I'm 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 cool with giving him like with seeing more of him. Um, that's not to say I don't like David Ostad. I think he's been okay for us so far. But I mean, we did bring in Cronholm. We might as well give him a shot. Because otherwise, like, we have five or six goalkeepers on the roster. And I don't know if it's actually five or six. But we have a lot of goalkeepers. Oh, well, Cleveland's up in Lansing now. Yeah. So it's – so I guess it's it's Kronholm and Usted and Sanchez. So And Sanchez is probably not going to play again unless there's, like, a huge injury crisis. Sure. So, I mean, Usted's been okay, but I don't think he's been good enough to – guarantee his spot so i'm fine with letting Cronholm get more minutes and seeing what he can do and if he blows us away yeah let him keep it yeah all right that's fair uh and uh we can't wait also to hear more about uh the fire from you guys and you can get in touch with us on twitter at the Northlot Pod, you can email us at northlotpodcast at gmail.com. Catch us at hottimeinoldtown.com or on Stitcher, which is still a thing. Uh, still a thing. We will be back uh, the same time next week, although probably we'll be back to our regularly scheduled Monday recording Tuesday post uh, to talk about the upcoming matches against DC and Atlanta. Uh, we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Marfot Pod. Bye.